right? Say you're at work and uh, something unfortunate or untoward happens and you need some legal representation to, uh, to assert your rights in that situation, whether a boss mistreated you, you were fired unfairly, uh, or, or, or something worse happens. Ben, in the District of Columbia and Northern Virginia, you know who to call, right? Yeah, you call the Ehrlich Law Office because you have rights. That's right. And your rights matter. And you deserve to be free from harassment. And you deserve to work. The Ehrlich Law Office handles workplace discrimination. They do civil rights. Uh, If you have a wage theft issue, they are there for you. If you have uh, a separation from your employer that you want to to get down on paper and you're dealing with a a non-compete clause or or something to to that effect if you uh if you feel like your civil rights have been violated by a local government call the ehrlich law office uh if you want a free consultation tell them we sent you go to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster This is the second episode this week of Filibuster, the Black and Red United podcast. Uh, I'm Adam Taylor, joined by Jason Anderson. Ben Bromley has uh, this episode off to recover from overexertion in the heat of New Jersey, where he tried to replicate his five set-piece goal performance against Cincinnati, but it turns out NYCFC is just much, much better than Cincinnati. And um, also, they just don't appreciate art like they do in Southern Ohio. (laughs) Like, let's be clear. Uh, Anyway, uh, tonight we are uh, lucky enough to uh, have a guest on. DC United will host Toronto FC Saturday on Buzzard Point for a game to settle once and for all, whether Canada Day or Independence Day is the better holiday. I'm I'm sorry. I'm being told that that's a lie, that this is just (laughs) a soccer game in Major League Soccer that happens to fall between Canada Day and Independence Day. So um, not that at all. In any event, watch it 5.30 p.m. on NBC Sports Washington, Teleexitos, DCUnited.com, and slash or ESPN+. Plus. Our good friend Kristen Knowles covers the Reds for the vocal minority, and she has been kind enough to spend some time with us this evening to to talk about Chris Armis's terrible, horrible, no good, very bad season. Uh, Kristen, welcome back to Filibuster. <laughs> Thanks. I'm so excited to be here to talk about my team. Now, I do want to say, though, when you were talking about to decide once and for all, I thought you were talking about the all-time uh, record between our two teams, which is at a dead heat. Oh, really? So someone's going to... Or, no, 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 or it's going to be a draw, and it will just be tied. It'll just be balanced forever. There will be, there's, there no, no longer is one team allowed to win. They have, it has to be draws from here on out, just to keep it that way. Because, I feel like that would improve your points per game. Well, yes. There's that too. <laughs> there's an ulterior motive. It's not even ulterior. It's a really obvious motive. I'll admit to that. I need some points, goddammit. <laughs> So what are you drinking tonight? Uh, weirdly enough, because it's late, um, although it is decaf, I'm having tea, which is also weird because we're in the middle of a heat wave, although not the Pacific Northwest heat dome, under which I have several family members. Uh, so I've been sending a lot of text messages and emails and phone calls. 
Is the AC still working? Do you have lots of water? How many ice packs do you have? How's the basement? Are you good? Um, that's been like the bulk of my conversations for the last few days. But yeah, I'm having a nice cup of uh, decaf uh, Earl Grey tea just because I felt like it for some strange reason. I have air conditioning, so it seems to be there you go. temperate in here. We're, we're going to just call that drink selection a troll of Ben Bromley, who, who is not <laughs> here. He's not here. He is our resident tea guy. Tea That's and ink true. pens. The, those yeah. are oh, Ben's would, bailiwick. This, this would upset him, though. This is a bagged tea, like, Tetley <laughs> nonsense that, okay. honestly, I bought by accident because I love caffeine. And I got home <laughs> and was like, decaf? A hell? I was like, fine. I keep it for this exact purpose. Suddenly it's late at night and I want a warm beverage. I'm going to have this. So, All right, Well, I'm sure Ben will put his response to that on Twitter when he hears this. Because <laughs> he's the one who edits the show and everything. So. <laughs> Fair. All right. Let's, uh, let's get into it. And okay. um, I just want to ask you and the entire Reds fan base. <laughs> yes, the whole fan base. Okay, of which I am the embodiment of. Oh, yes, good. You are this representing all of them well. right now. And what okay. I want to ask is, you okay, buddy? What? I don't... <sighs> it's so frustrating. It, it, it is weird. And, and I, actually don't, I actually don't represent the entire TFC fan base right now. Because if you go on TFC Live uh, Twitter and see how everyone is feeling or sharing their emotions. Most people are very, very, very angry. And for some reason, I have not reached the anger point or I missed it entirely, shot past it and went straight into apathy, which is possible. You know, I've been around this team for a long time. So um, frustrated bemusement is probably a good way to put my feelings on it we did we recorded our show last night and I spent about 10 minutes trying to fumble my way through what my thoughts on all of this are um it's upsetting it shouldn't be happening when you have a team not just with the amount of money being paid yes and everyone focuses on that you've got the highest salary in the league your team should be a fuck of a lot better um but it's also the actual talent that's on the team that should be performing better. But one of the problems is, other than injuries to all of your DPs, sorry, two injured DPs, one in exile, so much fun. <laughs> um, you've got this veteran core that they continue to rely upon. And it's because the powers that be you know, are convinced that they can squeeze one more good year out of these guys. And it's unfortunate because there's some, there's some great guys there, some great veterans. They've been with the club for a long time. They've done a lot for this team. They've done a lot for this fan base and for the city. Um, but the changes that they've made and the things they're trying to do with these players and without relying on the young players that they said they were going to do at the beginning of the season and who acquitted themselves very nicely in the CCL, might I add, um, has not has not materialized. And that's been a panic response because, oh God, we stopped not doing really well suddenly. We have to revert back to our old ways, except for under this bizarre style of play that 
our slow players can't handle and suddenly Michael Bradley is playing up front and it's just it's just weird and wrong and it has to stop but it doesn't stop with it. Chris Armis isn't going to get fired I know that's one of your questions but he's not he's not he's not leaving it's not happening not yet it, d- despite uh, very random outlets just uh, claiming that that happened, <laughs> which happened yesterday, and it did, yeah, very a very strange thing to follow. Like very, I, like I I found it after the fact, but it was like just some random site that doesn't really even cover the team saying nope. that TFC 2s coach had been moved up and and Armas was already out, and then everyone that follows the team closely being like, yeah, all my sources are saying that's not true. Didn't happen. Well, and plus, you know, all of the pictures from training that day would indicate that that didn't happen. (laughs) Plus, TFC not being an organization that really loves to promote from within, at least not that way. Um, TFC, too, while doing okay, are certainly not lighting up their league. Um, Mm. They've done better their last couple matches because they had some TFC young players playing with them. Shocking. Um, but anyways, the whole thing was so laughable. I, I had I had so many people send me that link. Oh my God, Kristen, did you see this? I'm like, uh-huh, I saw it, thanks. Yeah, that's not happening. And then I had people asking, did, did Chris Armas get fired? No, he didn't get fired. He's not going to be fired. This is what people need to understand. TFC fans, if you listen to this, or anyone, MLS fans that listen to this, that follow our team, even in a remote this way, as long as TFC is not in Toronto, he is not being fired. It's not happening. And everyone he's needs gonna to accept it. He's going to get a home it. game first. He's going to get a home game first. And I think that's part of the reason why I'm not enraged because I recognize that this is the case. You know, this isn't Almeida. This isn't the Quakes who, again, a completely different situation. And, you know, he was there doing strange things for much longer. And I like Almeida. I feel bad for him, actually. I really do. Um, but Armis hasn't had close to what you consider to be a normal circumstance under which to coach and whether he can actually coach well under a normal circumstance. Cause if you look at his record with the energy drinks, eh, eh, can he maybe, <laughs> um, nothing is going to change until they're back in Canada and there is an opportunity to see you know, for the players to be home with their families, for them to play potentially in front of fans. Ontario is slowly opening up. That could happen come fall or even late summer. You know, these are opportunities. And until those opportunities present themselves to Chris Armas and his coaching staff, there's no way that they are firing him. It's just not going to happen. So what is Toronto FC's style of play? right now because we know Armis came in talking about wanting to press more uh just like at the red bulls he talked about taking their pressing style and creating a an alternative to it that they can use some of the time and ended up being neither here nor there um joe lowry had a piece at mlssoccer.com that said that the red bulls final third pressure actions this year are actually lower per 90 than they were last year they're not pressing as high (laughs) even as they were under Greg Vanny, and they're not doing it as successfully either. So what is it Toronto FC wants to do 
on the field. Well, their current style is to play as disconnected as possible. That's that's the sure. That's the it's best, a choice. That's that's the best way to uh, you know confuse the opponent by having zero fluidity um, or creativity, and um, but to still go really high up the pitch with your really slow players, so that the opposition can get behind you easier, and you can torture your goalkeepers. Um, and oh, by the way, TFC yet another goalie controversy this year because. What's Toronto FC without a goalie controversy? It is our way. Um, no, you know, yeah, he he talked about this 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 high press, which is fine in theory if you have the personnel to bear it out. And with the players he insists on fielding, it doesn't work. And I, I've got nothing against a high press. You know, like it it can be a thing of beauty when it's executed properly. Um, when you have the guys that are committed to it. But also, when you can ma- match that with a possession-based game, and that's where Toronto were strong, right? Like, Toronto were a possession-based team that could press, that had the ability to switch that on. Um, and, and the high line beat Toronto time and time again last year. Like, don't get me wrong. I spent a lot of time yelling at my laptop or my TV, the hell are you people doing? Um, because, again, this team is getting older and therefore getting slower. And you have limited resources especially at the back and I say this I said this the last time I was on here I'm sure I love Omar Gonzalez I love him he saved us in 2019 he is the reason we had the season we had um, or one of the main reasons but he is older and he is not fast and Chris Mavinga has been injured a few times and Chris Armas keeps putting Auro in the midfield which is wrong because he is brilliant on the wing as a fullback. Um, thank the heavens for Kamar Lawrence. You know, like there's, there's, but there's, again, there's all these disjointed pieces. So like Greg Vanny in the past, and this is the thing I want people to remember. Nobody liked Greg Vanny when he took over for Toronto. Nobody. And no one liked what he was doing with the team because what did he do? He let Michael Bradley do whatever he wanted and he tried to shoehorn the rest of his players in and around whatever he was trying to do that focused on Michael Bradley. So flash forward, we've got Chris Armas, who's trying to shoehorn a bunch of players that don't work with this style, but that focus on Michael Bradley, again, bizarrely Michael Bradley further up the pitch, instead of sitting back to protect that, to protect the defense, which clearly needs it, which desperately needs it. So it is this mishmash of I don't knows. And he tried that one little switch. He tried to sort of like switch it around a little bit in the last game, but with players who clearly haven't played with one another and just general confusion and merriment, you know, what he is doing is I think he's confusing the fans. I don't know if he's confusing the players. Um, There, it has to be a certain level of buy-in, especially through Michael Bradley because they have a long relationship and a long history. And Michael Bradley has a tremendous amount of influence um, on the club and on the locker room, Um, but both inside the locker room and out. It just has to do with that. But it's, uh, it's, it's, it's very frustrating to see players being played out of position, whether it's a reactionary thing or just the fact that Pozuelo is injured again, who knows? Um, so I can't even describe what the style is other than depressing chaos. 
Kristen, looking back at this this last game, I think you know our our listeners might not know TFC's lost five in a row. Um, but I yeah. think when you look at it, you know, you look at it on like a forum guide, you say, oh, it's just a bunch of red. But this Cincinnati game to me jumps out as much different and much worse than the other games. Um, I was while you're answering the last question, I was looking at Cincinnati's lineup because I haven't had a chance to watch this game yet. And what jumped out at me is that Cincinnati played their most attacking fullback pair. They played with no recognized defensive midfielder. Lucho Acosta was underneath a three-man front line in a midfield with no holding midfield presence. And awesome. TFC TF- and took three shots in 90 minutes. Yep. Um, so, right on yes, one, one on goal, three, and they were behind early. So it was, it was a game state thing where they should have been taking a lot of shots. Um, and the, the thing that came to mind for me was when a team has a loss like that, when it goes that badly, Miami did this recently against DC. They had a game where it went extremely badly for them. And Phil Neville, as much as we love to make fun of him, his choice was I'm going to play my high intensity, high commitment guys that are going to do what I tell them. Uh, it's not going to be my most skillful lineup. I might leave uh, a certain guy talking about cigarettes. I might leave him back in Florida, <laughs> but I'm going to try, I'm going to play the hardest to beat team that I have. Um, do you think Armas after, cause I, I'm, you know, reading his comments after this last game, he was beside himself with how it went. He said it was embarrassing. Do you think he's going to hit that point where he says this lineup is going to be my most high effort lineup, regardless of whether that is recognized names or not? I think there's potential for it based on what he said, because this is the first, this is the first time really that he has kind of not, not admitted, well, admitted to fault said that, you know, this is bad. This isn't what should be happening. Talked about, you know, players who have energy in their DNA, guys who are willing to commit. Like he did, he didn't name names, but it's the first time he's really said, anything that seems to mention you know there's players that maybe aren't committing to what we're trying to do or I've made a mistake and this is embarrassing and and you're absolutely right about this match when we were talking about the the recent run like they haven't played badly in all of their matches they've done they've done stupid things they've done some old school stupid TFC things um conceding late the 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 cross that is TFC's to bear which is set pieces um but they had flashes of, oh, okay, I can see what this is supposed to look like. And I can see where these four or five players are really committed to this or have built a good relationship on the pitch. You know, they know where each other are. They're going to send each other the ball. A run's going to be made. Something good is going to happen from this. So I could see the potential, the, the building. But that match against WKRP was just awful <laughs> and demoralizing. You're welcome. Um, so to hear him come out and at least admit some fault is like encouraging because that's been the other part of the problem is he's he's just been like, no, we're so close, you know, we're 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 just we're inches away. We've been working on this. This is it's going to all come together. And then for him to be like, all right, clearly this is not coming together, and a change has to be made. Whether or not he does it, though, is the thing. And again, whether or not he looks to some of those younger players. Because that was one of the things, honestly, that we were, if we had to be excited about Chris Armas, 
and I know damning with the faintest of praise um, and having Ali Curtis in charge of the club is especially from, from Curtis, if you're looking top down um, commitment to, to youth, to youth development, to bringing players through an through the Academy, that sort of thing. And Toronto C has a good Academy. They just never use their youth players. They sit them on, they sign them to splashy first year, first team contracts, and then they sit them on the bench and they languish and then they get sent off somewhere else and then they get to play and potentially have a career. Um, they seem to, that seemed to be shifting. And, and Greg Vanny was notorious for this. Oh yeah. Look at this great young player we have. And you sit there for the next nine months. Um, but Armis and Curtis seemed committed to something different and they started it. Yes. By necessity, because they had injured players, but then they shifted back again. So, but those, those guys are hungry, right? Like those guys are going to do what you want them to do. You, I get, I get 70 minutes. I will do whatever the hell you want me to do. I will run up and down that wing. I will, you know, I will do whatever you need me to do. Yes. Whatever you want, sir. Coach, I'm in, put me in. Um, I would like to see that. I would like to see those young guys, those hungry guys out there getting opportunities um, to show what they can do, but to contribute to this team. You know, you've got decent, there's decent players on this team. There's really good players. We've got at its core, it's a good defense. You know, you put Lawrence, Gonzalez, Mavinga, and Arrow. That's a back four. You should be able to bank on, you know, except for if you're asking all of them to run forward a lot, which you have to stop doing. No matter how fast Lawrence is, Arrow's not slow. It's the it's the it's the midfield, and there's no it's the mid it's the center backs, and there's no one there to protect them. And so you look at that, and it's just this whole it's a snowball effect. But I think, yeah, I think there's players that should sit. And I think there, um, I think there is an opportunity for some new life to be injected. Whether or not that happens this weekend, I don't know. You mentioned the two DPs that you're missing. I want to ask about them. Josie Altador, apparently in exile. And Alejandro yep. Pozuelo, not quite ready to return from injury yet. Right. Um, what do we know about Altador's banishment from from camp we know surprisingly little it has been somewhat maddening from a tfc fan perspective um on on all the levels tfc is notoriously bad about keeping a lid on things like this so clearly some agreement has been made between everybody to say nothing because elsador is not shy we all know this the man likes to voice his opinions and that's fine. He, 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 you know, whatever, but he has been quiet. The occasional time you see him on an Instagram story, it's like for Sloan or for the U S men's national team. I think there might've been one thing for a Canadian player. Do you know what I mean? It's been like, yeah, good job. All right. Good awesome. job, buddy. Yeah. You <laughs> or know? Like, I, I like my wife. Yeah. That's basically it. None of the usual flavor shall we say from altador um he hasn't taken a dig at taylor twelman in months come on um but usually something has leaked out from somewhere and whether it's because they're in florida which certainly helps and i think i think the fact that this escaped and i i'm i'm guessing it came out through altador's people i'm guessing he leaked it um the the situation originally when it came or his agent did somebody did because you know 
they wanted this to be like, and they would have said he's injured or something or whatever, because, you know, it happened right before the international break. They had all this time, which they apparently did nothing with. Um, but still nothing has leaked out. Everyone points to that match where he got subbed out and he was apparently angry. I'm sorry. Did anyone ever watch Sebastian Javinko play for our team? The number of times you could tell, you could see he wanted to throw something at Greg Vanny's head when he subbed him off, like how petulant and angry he was all the time. Um, so he had to have said something really bad. Like what the, what could he possibly have said? What could he have said? And, and, we all rack our brains, but nothing has been leaked. No one has whispered in my ear anything at all, which is very disappointing. Um, and the club has done a poor job of handling it and acknowledging it um, with the fan base. And, and they've just done a poor job of handling it because you've got a player that, while polarizing within the fan base, because as much as we love him, he also frustrates us, right, in terms of his health, um sometimes his maturity on the pitch you know how do you get a red card while sitting on the bench only Josie Altidore um but has scored iconic goals for this team has been the linchpin has been the 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 turning point for games um and you know is one of the most popular players in North America and yet you have him wherever he is, somewhere in Florida, not practicing with the team. You've got young players that talk about how they look up to him. Um, so you've got strikers that are languishing slash learning under, and I'm sorry, Patrick Mullins, you're a nice man. You seem nice. But, and then don't even get me started on Don Dwyer. Oh. Uh, we could have had Kai Kamara. We could have had... Hi, Kamara. No, we have Dom fucking Dwyer. Sorry, yeah, I should stop swearing on your show. I apologize. It's, it's all right to get mad. Uh, that's a trade that I also would I, be mad about uh, because I, hate him. I you, hate him. When you have the choice between the two of them right now in in 2021, it's not really a difficult call to make. And like Kamara's just out there. He's a free Asking, agent. Talking about his free like, agent hey guys, life. Yeah, I like to play soccer. I've scored a bunch like, of goals. This is what I mean. Like he's just like, he's just floating out there. They could have like. It's our turn anyway. Toronto hasn't had Kai Kamara yet. Isn't it our turn? Yeah, neither is DC. And if, yeah. if if DC didn't have both a full roster and a new style that I, is not I, at all kind to older bodies like Kai Kamara, <laughs> I, I would 100% be about signing him. I, I thought you were going to say an existing Kamara. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh no. It's fun sure to have both Kamaras. I don't think there's a, there's a rule you... I mean, DC would have... All time, oh, things are the most Kamaras in MLS history. Right. If there's a rule against not being able to field uh, multiple Kamaras, then I think there are, are a couple national teams in Africa They're that in will trouble. run into major trouble when, yes. you know, they've got three or four. Um, but, but, I don't know between, how you make that choice. But between mm-hmm. Ola and Alhaji Kamara before, I, mean, yes, I, I right. don't know if that's any MLS right. teams have ever had three Kamaras in their history. But the the other thing with the with the Josie situation, like the way that the team is handling it, you know, again they had that three week that three week break, and nothing got sorted. Um, so we go on, we go forward, and so there's all the you know everyone talks about it. Well, what's the situation? Oh, they can't get rid of him for free because they can't afford the buyout. Um, Josie's not gonna he's not gonna leave gracefully. 
like screw that so i saw a really good comparison was it to uh stephen marbury situation mm-hmm. where he was like i ain't leaving pay me my money and then i'll go you know and and i i feel like we're very much in that place now where there's just there's a there's a schism between the front office and the player and the player knows his rights and is like "Uh uh-huh yeah that's nice yep i am losing an entire year of my career you are correct i am not leaving it's not my fault you paid me all that money it's your fault you paid Mm -hmm. me all that money and this is where we are and there's not going to be a happy resolution, unfortunately. And that's going to really, you know, it's, it's already been a problem and it's going to be a problem. Um, so you've got that. So you have one of the, you know, again, aging injured striker, but still somebody who draws defense, who draws players to him, who has been influential in this club in this bizarre exile. And that's got to be affecting the morale of players. But anyway, and then you have Pozuelo who uh, as much as your team should never hinge on the play of one person, Toronto's absolutely seems to, because they are much different when he plays the game in which he came back was startling in the difference between the minutes before he got subbed on and the minutes after he got subbed on. It was like, Oh, right. That is what this looks like. I remember this. I remember watching them play this game. It's wonderful. Um, he's incredibly talented. You know, he's the current MVP for a good, very good reason. And without him, they seem lost. And that is problematic. So for him to go down again with yet another patented TFC thigh injury, Josie Altador, well, I'm sure will speak highly of the physio staff at our team. Mm-hmm. Um, but so that's very frustrating to have him back really briefly and then to lose him again to this, you know, just soft tissue injury. Oh, okay. That's, that's, that's nice. Around here, they're just lower body injuries. Oh yeah. No, they, they try, they've, they've gotten more specific now with Toronto. I almost wish they hadn't. Um, so yeah, and, and it's, and it's, it's frustrating that the team hinges so much on his play. And I, I've talked about this, the fact that, if your team hinges on the fortunes of one player, you're not doing, you know, there's something very wrong. Um, you're not training properly. You're not training around this player properly in order to take advantage of the talents you have when he's not there. Um, or the other players are too reliant upon him. And, you know, that's a failure at both ends. So now we have the recently injured yet apparently fine now, cause he played for his country. Um, Still new to the club, uh, Jefferson Soteldo, who is available for this weekend in what would be his third appearance, maybe fourth. I actually don't remember. That's terrible. Um, assuming he comes back from Venezuela, I just keep expecting to see some like breaking news thing in that he's decided to say, screw this. Um, and we have, we still have, you know, it's there's so little to understand about him as well. Right. Cause he hasn't played very often for us. Um, and he's playing with a team that's in, in shambles, seen some nice flashes from him. I understand why people rate him. I uh, wish he had uh, more of a left foot. Um, but you know, when you have a team that plays 
without their DPs for weeks at a time. This is a league that is built on top talent. Um, yes, you have to have a deep bench, but if you don't have influential guys, and when your most influential guy is Michael Bradley right now, and I like Michael Bradley. It's taken me years to like Michael Bradley. Um, I don't always like him, but I like him more. Although now as this year goes on, I like him less again. It's a cyclical process. Um, but when that's your focus, it's a problem. Kristen, I was going to ask about Soteldo, um, but I, I'm going to switch it up now because you've already you've, you've covered that you've covered the territory very well. Um, in the absence of Josie Altador, if if people that haven't seen too much of TFC, maybe they remember last year the MLS is back tournament. Uh, Io Akinola played very well against DC. Um, Josie's Josie's been out, so the door has been open for Akinola. But like this last game. Dwyer and Mullins were the starters the game before that actually a couple games it looks like he's been substituted fairly early um how is how are things going with him because last year it looked like he was ready to sort of push Josie out the door um and now it's just like he's one of the forwards on the team and they're all kind of the same yeah he should be the one that they're focusing on um I would like to I definitely like to see him get more time don't know what's been happening in training. He did have a small injury in the winter as well. So that affected uh, the beginning of his season. Um, so I think maybe there's a little smidge of that still in there. I did like what I saw from him the last couple games he played. Saw a little bit more of the of the intent that we saw last year. Um, you have to remember also after the after the MLS's back tournament, he's he, you know, he fell off a drop, but also he wasn't being played as much, right? You know, he mm -hmm. sort of went back into exile again um, where he'd been before that tournament too. So his his playing time with TFC has been very hit and miss. Again, shocking, a young player who's not getting consistent playing time. But they need him, so they should be playing him all the time. Um, he has tremendous ability and he has a real good head for um, – for what, where the ball's going to land in terms of getting himself in the position in the front of the net. So he has very good field sense and he's got very good awareness. Um, he needs a little work on his holdup play a little bit more. And I think that's one of the reasons why we're not um, seeing as much of him because they're still trying to figure out what they want their forwards to do. And Josie's been the only guy that's really been their solid holdup guy. Um, you know, that's definitely not Patrick Mullins. That sure as hell isn't Dom Dwyer. Um, Io Akinola has that as, 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 a, as a tool he, he needs to develop. You know, like that's a skill set he needs to continue to work on. Um, Achara is back in training, who we've been missing. He's someone that I think Io could actually play off of. They, could, they would complement each other really nicely. Um, so I think you will see more of Akinola. You should see more of Akinola. The, the, the ability and the talent is there, absolutely. They just need to actually build plays around him. And they're not yet. Like the lack of the creativity to feed to the front um, is really affecting that. And if no one, he doesn't seem to have a partnership with anybody on the wings or in the midfield. And that I think is where the real issues lie. Not with him so much but so and so much is the is the support cast so one thing i'm asking uh most of our guests this year how 
does your team handle a high press? Um, badly. Great. Because that's just what I wanted to hear. That's, you know, like that's, that's, that's what it is. They, they get caught out. They get hit on the, the TFC are vulnerable to the counter. TFC are just vulnerable period, but um, it's not something they've ever handled well. And it's always sort of boggled my mind that more teams in the past didn't, um, didn't use that against them because the teams that have, have been very successful and sure you know what not every team is equipped to do that on a consistent basis or even through part of the game so we get lucky that way but yeah tfc especially right now very vulnerable to that and yeah you if you've got that in your uh in your squad if you can make that work do it well that's that's what losada wants to do first and foremost so oh good uh, i'm excited I, I'm already by your answer <laughs> you <laughs> should be so um other than the press then if you were to find yourself across the technical area from Chris Armis, what would you be focusing on to game plan against TFC? What would you be trying to exploit? What would you be trying to take away? Exploit the midfield. It's It's been a shambles. Um, also depends. Well, it does depend on who Armis puts into the midfield for one thing. Um, defensively, go down the go down the left that's your and that's not that's not to that's not to shade arrow um at all but you know he's asked to do a lot and he can get caught out sometimes um you know decent defender he actually is one of the better at defending fullback wise for toronto um but you know ormar gonzalez often gets caught out of position um mavinga isn't coming over to cover the same way uh because they're just again the the synchronicity doesn't seem to be there, but yeah, that midfield is confused. Um, Bradley's playing too far up. Uh, Delgado's looked rough the last little while. Um, you've got Osorio's more of a of a again more of a creator and attacker than he is a defender. So again, the priorities aren't always there. But yeah, if you go through the midfield, you can just punch a hole through that midfield right now and probably do quite nicely. All right, we'll see if DC United will be able to do just that this <laughs> Saturday. Um, thank you, Kristen, for joining us. Tell our listeners where they can find you online. If You've been on this enough that everyone listening to this show should already know where to find you. But if in case they joined, just they in started case. listening more recently, yeah, where can they do that? <laughs> um, on Twitter, you can find me at KZ Knowles. And uh, if you want to find our podcast, uh, Vocal Minority CA, uh, also on the Twitters. Find us, of course, at blackandredunited.com. If you want to support us financially, you can do that at patreon.com slash filibuster. And of course, our Patreon supporters did get early access to this episode. So thanking all of them um, and encouraging you, if you're not already a patron, to, to do that. Uh, find us on Twitter at filibusterdcu, at blackandredu. The email address is filibusterpodcast at gmail.com. Download, subscribe, rate and review wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, tell a friend about the show. Uh, word of mouth is always the best. So for for Ben and or for the absent Ben and the present Jason and thanking Kristen one more time, I'm Adam. We'll talk to you again real soon. Say goodbye, Jason. Sandstorm. <laughs>